Good morning. We are so glad that you're here. Um, my amazing hubby could not be with us this morning. He's actually at a pastor's meeting, but he sends his love, of course, and he's been checking in on everybody like crazy as much as he could. But we are. Um, I'm, it is my delight to get to speak this morning and something that always makes me just slightly, okay, a lot nervous. Um, I don't know about you guys. Did you remember like the crazy, crazy term papers that you had to write, like the really scary ones? That's what it feels like having to speak. Whenever the bending in the semester, they'll tell you you have to write it, and then you get worried about it, but you really don't do enough about it to actually help. And then the closer it gets, the more nervous you get, right? For me, that's what it's like to get to speak. I take it very seriously, but I also want to have a lot of fun. Because if we don't get to have fun, then you know what are we doing? Let's have a blast here, right? So everybody smile at me. Let me see how you're doing. Wave at me. Good job. You're doing so good. See, it's an interactive service. You didn't know you were going to lift your hand in service, but you did. I caught you. I got you to do it. Ha ha. I got you to do it. But um, we are going to have a great time this morning as we wrap up part four of our Reformation series. I have really enjoyed it. Quite honestly, I didn't know a lot about the Reformation. It wasn't something that I studied much growing up. So it's been really interesting to learn Um, all about the history that was exactly 500 years ago. That's pretty exciting. Um, And what has been also fun, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, is we paralleled the reformation of the back of my house because the back of my house was in dire need of transformation and change because a family of woodpeckers had made their um, home in the back of our house. And when they moved out, the squirrels moved in. There goes the neighborhood, right? And, uh, and so we needed a change in the back of our house. Um, it's fun. I was, what I think I enjoyed most about this series is that I finally have a repaired house instead of all the months it wasn't. So I'm hoping next year we do another series about a kitchen transformation or a bathroom transformation because it seems to be the times that I actually get something done at the house. Don't tell. So uh, please, please tell my hubby what an incredible, incredible illustration it was to work on the house and how much it has totally transformed your life. And he should work on the house every weekend and it just you will just be the best Christian you can ever be, right? That will really help me out. So but it is really fun. It was such a fun thing to do. The first week we talked about even recognizing there was a change and a need for a change. Just like Martin Luther felt that the church had gotten to a place where a decorate uh, where a statement must be made about the things that were going on in his culture. He he said I cannot go forward until I make a declaration. We realized that it was time to make a change for us. And the second week we talked about the tear out. We talked about that God was removing things from our lives that were detrimental and dangerous. And we talked about that you need friends to do that. You can't do that alone. It's important that we're a part of the body and that we're supported as we grow in the Lord. Um, The third week, we talked about the replacement and what God was putting back in our lives, the things he was filling in us to make us the, the people that he had called us to be, to shore us up, so to speak. And this week, we're going to talk about the declaration. So you've heard that. We talked about that during communion. We sang about it, and that's what we'll talk about today. You'll even have a little bit of homework. Isn't that great? 
Um, Before we get started, though, I do want to remind you, this is a very exciting week at Church on the Hill. We have a lot going on. Uh, This Saturday is Godly Leadership. That's a great time that you can learn more about you and who God's called you to be and what it would mean to become a leader here at Church on the Hill and really just in your community and in your in your home. I really encourage you to come. It's Saturday morning. You can learn more about it in the small group commons outside. Next Sunday, we kick off our junior high services. I am so excited. We have a team of uh, parents and young adults and a big group of folks that has been working very diligently to pull this off. When I was 19 and got married, uh, I married a pastor and I became a junior high pastor's wife. And I didn't have a clue what I was doing. But, um, and we, in junior high is such a crucial and critical age though. It's so very important that these kids get our love and our attention and that they have that moment to encounter God. So if you, your kid is 11, 12, or 13, or if the crazy kid that lives down the neighborhood that drives everybody crazy and steals their pumpkins is ages 11, 12, or 13. We had one of those in our neighborhood. Um, I encourage you to come to the 9 a.m. service. Uh, that is when we are going to be having that junior high event every single Sunday. We're going to have a junior high service. So 9 a.m., I know it's not 1045, but you do still get to sleep a little bit later than you do during the week when you have to be at work. So please consider coming to that 9 a.m. service Uh, From this point forward, they'll worship with you in here, and then they will go into the auditorium as as worship, um, as we're wrapping up and the video announcements come. If your 11 or 12-year-old has been been in the back, they will not be in the back anymore with the kids, because we are outgrowing that area, y'all. We are busting out of the seams. So this is going to be an incredible opportunity for them to be focused. We're doing some fun stuff. we got some fun stuff planned. We don't want you to miss it. So, And then November 10th, we're having a ladies' night of worship. We are so excited about that. We have an incredible team. We have an after party planned. It's going to be a blast. So guys, you're deputized. Watch the kids. Let the ladies out of the house and we're going to have a great time worshiping Jesus together. That's going to be on a Friday night, November 10th. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we talk of the word. Father, thank you so much for this incredible church body. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you don't give up on us even when we want to give up on ourselves, Lord. Thank you that you put up with us in in our journeys and our questions, Father, and our challenges, Lord, so much that you loved us so much, Lord. We just thank you, Father, that after today, we will understand more about how to make a declaration of who we are and who we believe you've called us to be. It's in your son Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this whole time we've been talking about Martin Luther and the 95 Theses and how he made a declaration. He literally posted on a doorpost, these are things that I believe we must discuss and we must live by. And following that pattern today, I want us to talk about a family declaration. Whether you're a family of 10 or a family of 2 or a family of 1 right now, it is so important that you take time and say, 
Who are we? What are we? What makes us strong? What makes us different? And what binds us together? And that's what a family declaration does. And this this is no um, foreign. This is nothing new. Even in the body of Christ, really, the Bible itself was a declaration of God's plan for us, of His love for mankind, of His desire to connect, to reach, to make a way for us to go to heaven. The Bible is a story of a declaration of his love. But we see throughout the word that men and women made declarations, that the Lord himself made declarations. And one of those in particular was a pretty big one, and it's in the book of Deuteronomy. If you remember, the Israelites had come out of Egypt, but because of their disobedience, they wandered for 40 years in the desert. Literally, a trip that took days took them 40 years as God began to just, as God was contending with them and working with them. And they come to the end of those 40 years. They're standing on the riverbanks of the Jordan. And Moses begins to remind them of who they are and where they're going. He begins to tell them all about Egypt. And Moses was quite a long-winded fellow. So if you dare to tackle Deuteronomy, have some time on your hands because he definitely was a detail-oriented person. And he, he went into very big detail, but reminding the Israelites of what Egypt was like and how the Lord delivered them out of Egypt and how the Red Sea, how he was, saved them at the Red Sea. And then he reminded them that he gave them laws and commandments, but, but, but their disobedience in their heart and then his restoration to them. He tells the whole story, and then he, remember, he reminds them of the Ten Commandments, which were a declaration the Lord gave his people to be obeyed. And he, he laid those out, and then Moses says this in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18. He says, commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. So many times we think that the Lord's decrees and the Lord's commandments are, are laws to, 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 to hold us down or to shackle us down. But the, the scripture says, Deuteronomy says that those laws and rules were so that they would flourish in the land. Because the Lord knew that the Israelites were going to cross over that Jordan and they were going to encounter people that had no knowledge of the Holy One. They had no knowledge of the decrees of God. These people worshipped idols. They lived lifestyles that were counted to the commandments the Lord had given them. And the Lord's, and Moses was telling them, I need you to remember who you are. You have to remember what makes you different as you go out into a place where you will meet so many people that are nothing like you. And you know, as we were thinking about this, I could not help think of our own children, that our children are facing a world counter to the scriptures like nothing we've ever seen. Our, our kids know things and see things that are so different from the way we grew up and the way we understand. And it's so important that our kids have our value systems and they have biblical principles deep inside their heart so that when they go into their new promised lands, into the places God had for us, we can't be there with them. We cannot be, we can't sit next to them in school every single day. We cannot go where they go in the playgrounds they go to. We have to instill in them who we are as believers so that our kids can be who God's called them to be. Amen? And so 
it's so important that we get together. And as a family, we say, who has God made us to be? Like I said, a family of one or a family of ten. That we know this is who we are as a family. And when we do that, that empowers our children to go and to go. You know, what we believe is different. It's counter to the world's culture. And that sounds that sounds like, well, yeah, of course. But think about that. Many times as parents, I know I'm thinking, well, at least she's on kids' YouTube and not YouTube, right? Because they've got filters. But kids' YouTube is not going to teach my child what they need to know. Disney Channel is not going to teach my child biblical values. And so we cannot relegate the training of our children and the declaration of who we are to anybody outside. We have to declare as a family and as an individual, this is who I am so that we're not defined by others. You know, recently um, we had a situation in the city where someone thought that violence was the answer to a solution. And we see that in the nation many times. That's counter to the word of God. The word of God says love and kindness is the answer. The world will say, take what you can, Look out for yourself. Step on anybody you have to. The word of God says, greater love have no man than he lay down his life. It's completely counter to the culture. And so important that we make sure our kids understand that. So today we're going to talk about making a family declaration, or others have called it a family mission statement. Stephen Covey, you may have heard of, says it like this. A family mission statement is a combined, unified expression from all family members of what your family is all about, what it is you really want to do and be, and the principles you choose to govern your life. You know, many times we think we're doing our kids a favor by not giving them boundaries or definition, but quite the opposite. When we give our kids the strength of knowing who they are, it empowers them to be more of everything God's called them to be. Um, Covey goes on to say, without this vision, In his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families, kids can be swept along with the flow of society's values and trends. It's so important that we set a family declaration and what we are and who we are. And so I want to go through a few reasons why it is very, very important. The first reason that it's important that we set a family declaration is because it does set our standard. It sets the standard for living. You know, for us, if if our is a family that kindness is a standard, then we're going to live by that. And when my kids had friends over and somebody else wants to play with the toy, then we're going to say, we're going to be kind. We're going to be kind. We're going to, we're going to let the friend get to play, right? How many of you had the mom that the friend got to win every single time? Me. Yeah. Um, but the, it's in, because it was important that we were kind, that we were hospitable, that we showed kindness. It was part of who we were. It set our standard. Joshua said this, as for me and my house, We're going to serve the Lord. As Joshua was about to go into the promised land, and they were going to meet people that served other gods, people that worshiped idols, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so when it came time for that to be challenged, the standard was set in the home. And it's so important that we set that standard in the home. Our kids will live our standard, and then plus, and then try to push it one, right? Many, many times. So we must set a standard in who we are as individuals. Um, The second thing it does is it bonds us together. When you have a shared purpose as a family and a shared mission, it bonds you together. I love when we, the families we get to visit with, they're headed out to the mission field because they're bonded over a value system and a declaration that we will go. We will love 
We will open our home. We will open our hearts. And that bonds them together as a family. And there's nothing more satisfying than when you see your kids walking out something that you hold as a value. Recently at our school, I'll brag on my, my Addie, my 10-year-old for a second. You know, Addie got, they were giving out awards and they gave out perfect attendance. And I personally took that personally for getting the perfect attendance award. She didn't get it. I got it because I got her there, right, moms? I got her to school. I did it. I made it. So first quarter. Um, but we did those kind of things. But then they gave away an award and they said, we're going to give a servant leadership award. And Addie got the servant leadership award. I know she did so good. Well, what was extra special to me is servant leadership is a big deal in our family. If you've been around me any length of time, you know, I pick up a paintbrush and let's talk, right? We want to, we must, anyone who must, wants to lead must first serve. It's so important that we give our lives and that we serve. Um, here, even in the city where I'm on city council, part of the values of the city is servant leadership. When people say they want to be in charge, we say, what have you done? Where have you helped? How have you made the city a better place? And I love that. It's what connects us and binds us together. And it's, it, it holds us together. So I was so proud when they recognized servant leadership in my 10-year-old because it's something I hope to instill in my kids. The second thing it does, the third thing it does is it sets us apart. It says, this is how we're different, and different is not bad. It's okay that you as a family hold a different set of values and and interpretation than another. We have friends that for some of them, they, they really encourage their kids to challenge everything, challenge it all. Always ask questions. Always say, maybe I will or maybe I won't. Different things that they were. Because they wanted to prepare their children to go out into a world where they felt they needed to take a stand for who they were. Um, Other families may say, you know what? It's very important that our kids learn obedience. That our kids learn to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and and show uh, reverence to authority. All those different things can set you apart as a family and make you you, um, different from the rest. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to say we are a family that stands by these values and that's what holds us together the fourth thing is it gives us guidance when we declare who we want to be as a family who we are as a family it's what guides our steps um you know i think about the canasters are here and they're headed to england that's guiding their steps. What's guiding their steps? That family value that they have of going, of reaching people, of sharing the gospel. It's going to literally bring direction to your life when you know who you are and you declare that. When we were looking for a house, it was important to us as pastors that we served and lived in the community where we were pastoring. Uh, no judgment, but I know pastors that really would rather live really far away from their congregation. Because I got to tell you, if I'm checking my mail in a bathrobe, I don't like it when you come by. Sorry, no offense. But, but I love it when we get to see each other. We know when we're walking down the street and we see somebody we go to church with and we, we do life together, not separate. It's a value of our family and our decisions follow our values and it follows the things that we've declared together. So we give, it gives us guidance. You know, you've heard the old saying, if you don't know where you're headed, any path will get there. But when we 
declare as a family, we will be missional. We will be adventurous. Maybe you're a family that craves adventure or an individual or a couple. You, you see it in the direction that you have. We have some amazing couples that love adventure, and we all live vicariously through their Instagrams. It's awesome. I get to see the world through their Instagram. Why? Because adventure is a value for them. It's a declaration they've made as a family that we're going to live life. Another one of my friends um, has lost an, a family members before. She lost her husband years ago, and she said, Every day matters to us. I live every single day with every person I'm with in my family as if I make the most out of it. It's a declaration she makes. And when you're around her, you see it. You feel it. You feel in that moment that she is maximizing her day and making everything of it. It's a family declaration, and her life is guided through that declaration. You know, we see this in the scriptures as well. In Isaiah chapter 56, the Lord says this, and he says in uh, verse 7, he says, These people, and who he's talking about is people from all over the world, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be a house called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord was declaring that it wasn't just the Jewish nation or just the priests or just a select few that could worship the Lord. He said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. Everyone is accepted in the body of Christ. Everyone has access to the throne. And so later in Matthew 21, after Jesus rides in on a donkey, he comes into the temple and that's not what's being practiced. In the temple, they've made it to where if you didn't live in Jerusalem and you weren't in the upper echelon and you weren't the wealthiest of the wealthy, you were literally limited from worshiping your God. And Jesus gets ticked off. He clears the temple. Why? Because the Lord declared that it would be a house of prayer for all nations, that all peoples would worship and serve and have access to God. And he lived that. He, it guided a decision to say, not in my house, not in, not in the house of the Lord. And the final thing that we see is we see that it gives courage. When we know who we are, we have a courage to stand for what we believe in. We have courage to face things and trials that come our way. This, this declaration, it gives us strength even when our emotions and our fears and our outside circumstances can make us want to quit, can make us question what we're doing, the decisions we're making. When we've made that declaration, we will be a family that shows kindness. We will be a family that walks in integrity. We will, I will be an individual who goes the extra mile. Whatever those declarations are, when those are challenged, that declaration gives you the strength to stand up. You know, when Cohen was 12, he had some major medical challenges, and there were a lot of things we didn't know. And quite honestly, it was a very scary time for all of us because we didn't have answers to things, and we didn't know um, what was going on inside of him. And so he had to go through a series of tests, and anybody that's had a kid that's sick, you know the fear and the challenges, and it's scary. It's scary for everybody involved. And, and he and, and Adam were there at the doctor, and they were getting ready for a pretty intense test. And, um, and PA said, he said, Cohen, remember that book we've been reading? And they had been reading together, Raising a Modern Day Night by Robert Lewis. Incredible book. 
And in it, Robert Lewis says, a real man rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously, and expects the greater reward. And in that moment, is Adam sitting there with Cohen, who's, you know, about 12 years old. He says, Cohen, tell me what a real man does. And he said, Dad, a real man rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously, and expects the greater reward. Amen? And in that moment, you saw courage come to him. I can face this. I can take on the challenge at hand because I know who I am. I know who God's called me to be. And instilling that declaration in him, it came out when it needed to. And that's why it's so important. That's how we have the courage. When you know that you've walked in integrity, when you know you've done everything right, as to the best of your ability, you know you've asked the Lord, Father, show me. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? When that is challenged, you have the courage to say, I am doing the best I can. The Lord knows my heart. The Lord knows I'm walking in integrity, and he will take care of the rest. Amen? We have that courage that we need. Amen? The same things apply to our church. Here at Church on the Hill, we have a declaration. We have a mission statement, and it is to relentlessly love Jesus, his church, and the hurting. Relentlessly. If you ever wonder if Church on the Hill is going to take a breath and slow down, bad news, guys. Relentlessly loving Jesus. It's a big deal to us that we're always saying, whatever it is, Lord, relentlessly loving him. When we offer these Saturday morning trainings and all these opportunities, it's because we want you to have the opportunity to love Jesus more and more each and every day, to grow and to learn and become everything you can be. When we say we relentlessly love others, we say we open our homes to small groups. We say we commit that week, that one night a week to attend those small groups because we believe in those relationships and the strength of that. Even when it's it's uncomfortable or difficult, because I told the first service, if you're ever waiting for it to be convenient to do what God's told you to do, newsflash, it'll never happen, right? When Adam told me a few weeks ago that I was going to speak, I was like, don't you know what I have going on right now? This is not convenient. But you know, I should know by now that when the Lord challenges any of us to do anything, it's never convenient. It's never the right time. So just go ahead and get over that. When the Lord speaks to your heart, there's never a good time. You're okay. You can do this. Just step out and the grace is there and the, the, the strength to do those things is there. Amen. And we relentlessly love the hurting. When Pastor Ryan came to us a few weeks ago and said, we've got to do this YMCA build. This is going to be incredible. And you know what it was? I don't know if you saw the pictures earlier, but dozens of Church on the Hill folks joined with a whole group of folks and they went out and they built a playground. And to see them relentlessly loving folks, they may, our kids may never play on that playground, but those community kids will have access and opportunity that they wouldn't have had before. That's relentlessly loving the hurting, and that's us living what we declare and what we say. And so it's so important that we make that declaration that defines, already defines who we are, and then we let that declaration give us the courage and the guidance as we go forward. Amen? So we're going to talk a little bit about how we're going to write that declaration. I've even got a little tool for you that they're going to be passing out in a little bit. But we're going to talk about how you can build a family declaration. There really isn't a right or wrong way because the process is so special. And 
the process is so important. Everybody in here is going to have a different way that you want to write down and, and make that family declaration. So, But I will tell you this, the process is a team, and it takes a team. And the first part of writing and how to do that family declaration is you got to get together. You got to get together. If you're a family of one right now, you and Jesus get together, spend some time, get out a pen and paper, and start thinking about who you are. That family of two, this is a great date night. Or if it's a whole crew, make some pancakes, sit around on the floor, and start talking about what are we and who are we as a family. If you come from a background where you're the head of the household and you think you're going to go and write it and come and tell everybody what to do, bad news, doesn't work that way. Get together as a family and begin to say, begin to do and to talk. And the second point is start talking. Just start talking together. Talk about who are we? What do you see that makes us different from other people? What kind of words would you describe? You know, you'd be surprised that what can come from a five-year-old or a 10-year-old or, or from grandma or from anybody that wants to say, this is who we are as a family. This is what's important to us. You can ask yourself some fun questions like, as a family, it's important that we are, and you fill in the blank. Or one motto you'll hear from us is this, or we want to be known as a family that is and you fill in the blank. We also like to come up with movie quotes that fit our family. That's a really fun thing to do. Um, For our family, one of our favorite movie quotes comes from The Princess Bride, and that is nonsense. You only say never because no one ever has, right? We love that. It'll sink in later. You'll get it. Eventually, it'll come to you. Oh, that makes sense. I see that. Yeah. You only say never because no one ever has. There's no reason not to try, right, and not to start. That we begin to talk as a family. Talk about the things that, that connect us and that bind us and the, um, and the values that it have. If you didn't get one of the pieces of paper, make sure to raise your hand. We've got plenty right here in the middle. Thank you so much. The third thing you can do is Listen. You know, the one in the family that talks a lot, tell them to take a breath, right? And then the one who's processing and processing and thinking, let those, those nuggets, those words of truth come. And as they begin to tell you, I think this is important for our family. I think this describes our family well. It'll be a really special moment together. And then as you're doing that, the, the fourth thing is to refine it and declare it. You know, as our family, we kind of got stuck on point number three. We didn't ever quite make it to point number four with one project we did. But years ago, we got together as a family. It was, we, we used to have time together in the mornings when Church on the Hill met on Sunday evenings. We had family church on Sunday morning. We got together. We had our PJs. We made pancakes. We got the Legos out and reenacted the Battle of Jericho. We marched around the house. It was so much fun to have to be in this season when we had young kids as we just begin to um, to enact the word of God. You know, we'd go in the closet. On the first day, it was darkness. Turn the lights out. And God said, let there be light. Turn the lights on. You know, all this kind of fun stuff. And one day we said, let's make a family coat of arms. Let's make a, if we were to have a crest for the McCain family, right? Good Irish family. What would we have on there? And I actually found the piece of paper that we wrote all those things 
things on years ago, and I have it to show. It's a little hard to see, but what you'll really notice is the watermark right in the middle because it probably sat on my counter for like weeks and didn't go anywhere, and then I had a cup and put a cup on top because everybody knows that Grandma said, don't put a cup on the table, right? Does anybody remember that in the days before we had veneer and plastic furniture? Don't put a wet cup on the furniture. And so I had a nice ring right in the middle. But we began to ask our kids, what animal describes the McCain's? And they said a lion or a horse or somebody said a lamb. That probably was Addie. And, and what kind of words describe us? And they came up with loyalty and trust, respect, persistence, obedience. Um, I can't read from back there. Sensitivity, passion, and dedication. And, and we begin to say, what's our motto? If, the, if, the, if we had a motto, and years ago we said, never quit or never get up. Or if you're in an argument, never give in, right? That's a really important one. So, um, and what kind, of, what kind of symbols, what kind of emblems would you put on this crest? And we said a cross or a, a wolf pack or a crown or a heart or a fleur-de-lis, because I think we were still Saints fans back then, but um, now that would be a star. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, what would you put on your family crest? What would you use to declare? Let that exercise be part of this family moment and this family memory, and then begin to refine it and begin to declare it and write it down. We have a family in, a church, in the church that has done this already. They didn't even know we were going to preach about it, and they have made an incredible family declaration. We have a video about it that we want you to get to see. There it is. You know them as some of the best pastors on our whole team. And we are sitting in your living room. And, uh, and we are sitting in front of your declaration wall for your family. And so tell us a little bit about this and why you put this up and what it means to you. Yeah, well, as a mom to these two, some, day, some days they get hectic and I don't really know what I'm going after. I needed a goal. And so I, I told Jack that I just wanted something that I could see every day that I knew what I was building upon. And so, where you were trying to get to. Yeah, where yeah. I was trying to get to, the end destination. You know, yeah. what am I what am I building here? So. so you told Jack Clark that. See, a normal yeah, dad exactly. might have just wrote some things on a piece of paper. Right. But Jack, what did you do? Well, I thought, you know, most companies and, and churches and organizations have mission statements and they have core values. And I thought, man, this is my family. So, you know, we wanted to take it seriously. And I thought we should have a mission. Oh, are we going to try that again? Is that what we're going to do? I'm not tech, guys, so I'll, I'll trust other folks. Hey, church family, I am sitting here with the Clarks, and they're the coolest family in our whole church. You know them as some of the best pastors on our whole team, and we are sitting in your living room, and uh, and we are sitting in front of your declaration wall for your family, and so tell us a little bit about this and why you put this up and what it means to you. Yeah, well, as a mom to these two, some, day, some days they get hectic, and I don't really know what I'm going after. I needed a goal, and so I, I told Jack that I just wanted something that I could see every day that I knew what I was building upon. Yeah. And so, where you were trying to get to. Yeah, where yeah. I was trying to get to, the end destination. You know, yeah. what, am I, what am I building here? So. so you told Jack Clark that. See, a normal yeah, dad exactly. might have just wrote some things on a piece of paper. Right. But Jack, what did you do? <laughs> well, I thought, you know, most companies and, and churches and organizations have mission statements and they have core values. And I thought, man, this is my family. So, you know, we want to take it seriously. I thought we should have a mission statement and we should have core values. So we, we put our heads together and created this. 
Yeah, and so how many of these, uh, what is this, like eight of them or so? And these are kind of the core pieces of what you want for your family and what you believe for. The first one, own your God-given identity. I thought that was magnificent when I walked in for the first time. And I know when you, when you finish it, you're like, hey, PA, come see this. And I was like so embarrassed. I was like, man, I am a loser. I don't have anything this cool. So don't be threatened that you have to do something this great. But this is really powerful. And I love this one right here. And, and you tell a story about this, about face your challenges courageously. you got to tell that story. That's so so we just got back from vacation and Noah and I started walking across a river on some rocks and so Noah's walking all over these rocks and then I'm 200 pounds slippery you know walking on slippery rocks and I start falling and Noah looks back at me he goes dad face your challenges courageously yes (laughs) and then one of my favorites is your last one have fun and laugh. Yes. So tell us about that one. Is that that seems to be an easy core value for you? Yes, guys. definitely. I when I married Jack, I knew that it was always gonna be fun, and we were gonna laugh a lot. And these two right here, they they keep the day fun. So <laughs> we, we like to laugh. <laughs> oh, Church on the Hill family, let me tell you something. These guys are a great example to all of us that it's important to declare what you want for your family, what you're believing for, uh, for your development of your children. And I would challenge you. Maybe you can you know do something this elaborate and maybe you don't have the skill set for that but at least write some things down and let's present that to our children and to one another and let's live by that and hey one of yours has to be laugh and have fun god bless you guys bye is that awesome I love that. I love it, too. As all of us as parents, we know that fun days can sometimes be code for crazy days, right? But I love that, and I love that Nicole said, this is a reminder of where I'm going and why I'm doing what I'm doing and what sets our guideposts, what sets our kind of our point that we're headed towards. So you've got to see two different gamuts. you got to see watermark scratch paper and completely gorgeous wall. So you can be completely comfortable to find your niche somewhere in between, and that's the amazing part. But the point is the journey of it all and who you become as an individual, as a couple, as a family, and who you become as, as who we become as a community as we get behind our declarations of what's important to us because it's the things there that we can stand for. You know, my, my daughter who's obsessed with Hamilton on Broadway right now would love that I quoted Alexander Hamilton that says, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And if we don't help our kids know what we stand for, and what makes us who we are, that when the trials come, just like the Israelites, when they would walk in and when they came into areas and met different um, civilizations that were counter to the word of God, they had to say, we know who we are. We know what our Lord has declared over us, and we will stand on that. Uh, you know, one more funny story. We were, Addie is playing softball, and, and um, Adam is her, one of her coaches. So they were out, she catches, and they were out practicing not her not turning away when the ball is coming at her. Because if you play catcher, you know, the ball coming at you, you're most protected. But if you turn, you're not. And so they were just practicing and practicing and practicing, which the practicing turned to tears, which turned to a meltdown. If you ever coached girls softball, ball, you know there has to be a meltdown somewhere in there. And so at this low point of practice, Adam said, Addie, who are we? And she recited the motto that we live with, that we have, and that is we are McCain's. And what does that mean? It means we don't quit or give up. So she 
start this, and that turned into, I think I can do this. And they both came home, all smiles from practice, because they had survived catching the ball, because they had said, we are McCain's, we don't quit, we push through, we don't give up. And that's the declarations that you need to have as a family and that you know is a family and it bonds you together. That may look totally different. In fact, I encourage you after you do this, share it on our Facebook. Let us see what you've done because I love seeing what we bind what we bond to as a family. And and listen, dads, husbands, I know this feels maybe a little bit weird because it's like real create it feels real creative or anything like that. But just take the first step. Take the lead in creating the environment that says I want to hear what you think. I want to hear how you see our family. And believe, I believe you me, the rest will take care of itself many times because that's all they needed was the ask to say, who, who do you think we are? What makes our family different? What's our family movie if we could just have one movie? What is that thing that sets us apart? And then when you define that and when you know who you are, I encourage you to write it down and declare it. Because just like Moses knew with the Israelites, that's going to be challenged. Who you are is going to be challenged. If you say we're a family that's going to be kind and respectful, believe you me, it won't be long before that's going to be challenged, right? Or if we're a family that chooses to love even when it's not logical, that's going to be challenged. The things that we stand for, but our kids need us to take a stand for what matters. They need to see us set a standard and us say we don't bend when things get tough. We don't bend when, when a coworker's asking us to do something that may, not, that may lack integrity or whatever that is. They watch us, and that gives them the courage to do the same in their own world. And that is how, like he said, um, he said, write it on the doorpost, Moses said, of your house and on your gate, so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land sworn to your ancestors. I want my kids to flourish. I want all our kids to flourish. And that comes from helping them know who they are and making that declaration. Luther's declaration started a firestorm that changed history. Now, I'm not sure any of our family declarations will change history, but it'll change the trajectory of our families. It'll change and define who we are and where we're going as a family. And as we close, I want to remind you of one declaration the Lord made over you. And as you've heard of it before, it's in Jeremiah 29 11. He declared, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans of good, not harm. They're plan to, plans to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. The Lord declared that over you. He set your face as a flint, the Bible says, and he said, I have a good plans. And we can stand in courage in that. We can stand for what we believe because we know that the Lord has good plans. Amen? Amen. Let me just pray over you as you close, as we close here today. If you don't mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes, and I do that because like all of us, we can get really distracted with our eyes open. But right now, I don't want you to think about anybody else in the room except just you. And where God has put you, the people that you have the opportunity to lead and influence, whether you're a dad, a mom, a grandparent, whether you're, in a, you're just a single, your life, as you're single, your life is a light to other people. And that we can, as in our work and in our places and everywhere we go, we can, our declaration will be a strength 
to others around. And so, Father, I just pray for each and every individual here. Lord, we commit to declare your lordship. We commit to declare that we will follow you, Father, and that we trust you, Lord. We declare that you are Lord, I just, as you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed, as I was praying and preparing for this message, I really feel like specifically there are some dads and some men that say, this is out of my comfort zone. But today I am willing to say, Jesus is Lord over our family. And I'm going to take the first step in leading our family and making that declaration. So I just... I've been praying for you all weekend, and I do believe that God is going to do something new in our hearts and in our families. Um, Also, I just want to just say a special prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for this congregation. Lord, if there are people in this room that have never said Jesus is Lord, Father, that's a total new concept to bow our knee to the Almighty, to say, Jesus, you are Lord of our lives. Father, let today be the day that we say, Jesus, you are Lord. I trust you with my future. I give you my past, and I I give you my life. Lord, I just pray for each and every family in this room, Father, that is represented, that you would bind them together as a family. Father, that you would start something new and you would solidify something that is, Lord. I thank you, Father, that these families will be a light and a beacon to show people the way to a a very loving and compassionate God. Father, we thank you for all these things. In your son's name we pray. Amen.